Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right. Here we are once again. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. How you doing? It's I'm good. It's been a week since we last talked, and uh, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm gearing up for Japan. I'm big in Japan. Now, who are you going to Japan with? I'm going to Japan with my wife. She graduated uh, grad school, and um, the the guy that I play for, the country guy, he's having a baby. So there was this really cool window of opportunity. We were going to go to Europe uh, for 10 days, but then we kind of found this Japan thing. So we're doing like four or five cities in Japan. We're going to be in Tokyo for three days. I didn't know you could have a same-sex baby. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> What? Oops. <laughs> okay, what was that about? I don't know. Something a same-sex baby? No, like if you're in the same... I didn't know two dudes could have a baby, but I guess you can adopt or have a surrogate mother. Implying that your employer is gay. Okay. Yeah, I can't really roll with the joke if I don't, under, if I don't understand it. <laughs> well, I should have um, worded it properly. Yeah. <laughs> I guess all babies are same-sex babies. Whatever sex they are is what they is. Maybe we should read some emails. What do you think about that? <laughs> Let's definitely read some emails. All right. Buddy Ramos writes in, Hola, Bob and Clint. Potential impact on spiritual awakening. He said, Clint asked the question, what's the value of looking through that door? He says, check out the following as I think it may address Clint's question. He says, when in, a co- when in college... Psychology class many years ago, I recall learning about Abraham Maslow's hierarchy of needs. He identifies the need for humans to be self-actualized as one of the highest levels of human needs. I recall a professor saying that to be self-actualized, one must have a peak experience. He said a peak experience could be any number of things, including taking hallucinogenics as peak experience. More recently, in an article by Peter Austin, he discussed the use of psychedelics as a tool for self-actualization. Uh, he says, I'm not advocating taking hallucinogens. I just thought I had during and after your discussion. Love the show. Sincerely feeling the burn in Arizona, Buddy Ramos. So the need for humans to be self-actualized. I agree with that. I think, uh, you know, it doesn't have to be drugs. You know, it could be anything. Anything that tears you out of whatever your normal sort of perspective is and lets you see a different perspective than you're used to, I think is going to help you uh, become a better person, whatever it is. Yeah, I think that's true. I don't know about a lot of this language, like self-actualization as a peak experience. It sounds like a bunch of woo-woo to me. Yeah, yeah. No, believe me, it was was upsetting me, all of it. Yeah, (laughs) I'm like, what the fuck does any of this mean? Uh, But I do, I think you're right. Like, I think whether it's, a, a drug experience for someone like George Carlin or Bill Hicks or or anyone, or whether it's you talking to your Mormon neighbor who believes a lot of different things than you, or getting a perspective from your spouse or your. I, I get a lot of interesting perspective from my kid 
I don't know if you've had that experience with Luke, but I sort of see the world through my daughter's eyes sometimes, and that's kind of, sometimes it's kind of shocking, you know, because of how innocent she is and how a lot of things that she sees and hears, it's all very new. And she's still very spongy and learning all the time, you know. She right. pays attention very closely all the time. Well, I definitely think having a child is um, one of those experiences that I'm talking about. Like, that's something that takes you from only being you're you're immediately going from um my main concern is me to my main concern is making sure that this other person that's not me uh their needs are met which is before you have a kid you don't understand that so that's definitely a shift in perspective yeah uh brandon j lamb says this question's for both bob and clint he says have you ever written and recorded a song and thought, I love this song and it's going to be a huge hit, but then it falls w- way short of expectations and gets no radio play? Which songs fall into that category for All you? All songs. <laughs> All songs ever written by everybody on the planet. <laughs> Every song ever written by everybody. How about that? Wow. For an answer. I'm sure that's a very satisfying answer for him. <laughs> no, well, that's the way it is. It's like when you have a baby and then you're like, oh, that's the cutest little baby in the world. And you show the picture to somebody else and that baby is not the cutest baby in the world. It's just like a song. Every song that everybody writes are like, damn, I wrote this song, motherfucker. Check it out. And you're like, that song sucks. But then you don't say that. You go, dude, that song is great, but it's not. That's every song ever written. Except Wonderwall. Which actually is a great song. But when that guy wrote it, he's like, this is the best song ever written. And I'm going to let my brother sing it, Liam. Is it Liam that's the singer? Or is it Nigel? I don't even know if those are the names. They just sound as English as you can get. Yeah, it's Noel. It's Noel. Who's going to name their kid Noel if they're not English? Africans, not a lot of Noels coming out of Zimbabwe. Guaranteed. No Knowles, maybe some Knowles in Mexico. I don't know. It's pronounced different. It's it's pronounced Jesus, not Noel. If you want to go to a coffee or something, I'm actually going to answer his question. Uh, by the way, you can write us in questions, bobandclint at gmail.com. I'll go get coffee while you answer his question. <laughs> I've written a lot of songs that that had a lot of potential and that we were all excited about because we were writing specifically for an artist and or I've gotten holds on songs like, oh, Carrie Underwood put this song on hold. She might cut it next year. And that didn't do anything. That's kind of most of my writing career. I do think there are songs that you write. Bob, you have to have done this, that you write where you're like, okay, this isn't like 40 dogs, but this would be a great album cut. Like maybe it's a little darker or more esoteric. It, they wouldn't play it on AAA radio like Let the Light In or Honey Pot. But it's got this cool album cut thing. Because you grew up loving records. You love album cut stuff, right? Well, all right. Let me. All right. I will answer the question in a more, a less sardonic way. So every time I go to record a record, I always have one or two songs that I think, oh, this is a hit song. This is a song that if we record it correctly, will make me a huge star. And I'll get lots of people who don't know about me to know about me and love me. And what happens every time I've done that is we go into the studio and we end up spending a lot of extra time on the song. The song always ends up being kind of a turd. Uh, I don't know why that is. 
what are some examples of that? Like, is Stars Over Your House like that? Yeah, that's exactly uh, what I was thinking of. I heard something in the shadows of the words that were spoken in the middle of the night that hearts got broken. Outside the sea and the sky above, outside me. And we're the stars over your house. Shine makes me think that everything's gonna be just fine. I wrote Stars Over Your House. I was like, oh, this would be a great pop song. I could hear this on the radio. I could see it in movies. I could I could see me being on the uh, uh, Grammys, getting a you know, best single nomination. And we went into the studio and it just didn't it didn't turn out that way. It just the recording didn't match up to the to the idea that I had about the song. And so it just it, it didn't turn out very good. I, 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 I truly believe there's something to be said about just going in and recording to the best of your ability. And then if it's meant to be a hit, it'll just be, it'll just be that way. And you can't replicate it. If you could, people would do it. Like everybody that's ever had one hit would just go into the studio and replicate that process. It's, un, you can't do it. It's just something that happens it's yeah it's like the forces of the universe coming together in some weird way that that's unexplainable and then all of a sudden you have this thing and it's undeniable you know and uh, but i it's beyond our control as human beings to make that happen like that's something that happens because of stuff that we can't control i truly believe that see that was a wonderful answer you should have you should have done that the first time yeah but the other answer is true as well it's true, but you really wanted to just leave it there, like a big turd on a doorstep. I wouldn't call it a turd. I would call it like <laughs> a, a big mud pie made out of marshmallows and graham crackers that might not be very nutritious, but it's tasty for a minute, and then you feel bad afterwards. Tommy Trinkeller writes in, who I recognize from Metal Every Podcast. He says, hey, guys, longtime listener. Just wanted to share my appreciation for the show. Whether you're talking about music, films, social issues, or escaped Arkham inmates... I always get a lot of joy out of the episodes. Your self-consciously fucked up humor in particular is one of my favorite things. I can really feel how much you guys enjoy hanging out and chatting, and that shit is as contagious as AIDS. <laughs> wow. He says, Bob, I'm bummed to have missed you playing the Troubadour. It's one of my favorite venues in L.A. Here's hoping I don't miss you on your next pass through. I'm still working on getting to know your music, but from what I've heard, your shows are just about as much about that as your wacky banner between songs. Much love and long live the money onion. Tommy Trinkeller. All right, my new my new favorite uh, emailer. Uh, <laughs> I've always, uh, you know, AIDS is, you know, humor. Humor, you know, it's it's like it's like getting up on a tightrope uh, and walking across. Now there's a net. It's not like there's no net. There's definitely a net, and you're not going to die. But it's scary getting up there, and uh, 
I would say AIDS is a pretty high tightrope to walk on, and that guy just got on there like it was no big whoops. <laughs> it's like he's had experience with that type of humor. That's not that dude's first AIDS joke, for sure. <laughs> exactly. That's what yeah. I'm saying. Um, you want to keep rolling through some of these? I mean, we've got like maybe six or seven more. Yeah, let's let's do some more. Why not? Norma Lopez writes in, Hey, Bob and Clint, your podcast made me think today. And I like conversations that make me think. Clint, your observations usually coincide with mine. So, of course, I think you're always right. Well, I do not hate that sentence. She says, Today, though, I agree with everything Bob said, too. But like you, I come to it by a different road. Uh, I believe she is talking about everyone going to heaven. Do you remember that conversation we had? Yes. I don't. I don't. I'm just saying yes, but I don't. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind, I kind of do. Okay, well, which is it? God damn it! Let me, let me rephrase that. Yes. Okay. Well, for our listeners who may not know, she's talking about when Bob says he believes that everyone, including Hitler, goes to heaven because Hitler played his role that God gave him in annihilating millions and millions of people. So she wrote today. I agree with everything Bob said too, but like you, I come to it by a different road. The difference is mainly due to semantics. She says we all go to the same quote unquote place after we die. But heaven tends to mean a good place in human language. Nobody knows what kind of place it is, as Bob said. So this is my issue with Bob's argument. She said, about Bob's idea that life is predestined, she says, to me, this means that it was planned by some entity outside of ourselves. Nope. Human beings act and react. We are limited in our actions and reactions by our biology, psychology, and environment. Most of the time, we don't know why we do these things. We can plan all we want, but I don't think we will ever know what we will do in any given situation. Sitting here in the comfort of my room, I say I could never kill anyone, but imagining someone hurting any of the little ones in my family makes me realize I could murder without a single drop of remorse. Once we commit to an action, though, it's done. The consequences of that action are part of who we are, which influences what we do next, so I guess I agree and disagree. I like the fact that Norma's about to kill people with not a drop of remorse. She's going from like, I don't know if I could kill anybody, to, oh, my family... I'm killing everybody, and I'm not ever going to think about it again. Closed book, game over. Norma is John Wick. John Wick. She's just going to shoot everyone in the face Well, for don't fuck minutes. with her puppy. Don't fuck with Norma's dog. She talks about artists and flaws. She says, I don't care about the flaws of artists. Why should I? They're not my flaws, and I can't do anything about them. If I judge an artist by his or her flaws, I'd never listen to their music, go to the movies, go to a museum, etc., uh, she says, I still listen to Michael Jackson volume up, and you guys should too. The people you should trash are his facilitators. All right. Then, many of them no, are no, still no, living. no, 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 no. I don't want to hear anymore. I'm done. I'm done. Okay. If you watched Leaving Neverland, if you watched it and you're still listening to Michael Jackson, don't listen to this podcast, please. <laughs> uh, if you haven't seen it and you're just like, yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Because I want to listen to Michael Jackson's music. That's not great. That's not great. Because you should, especially if you have children, you should watch that documentary so you can find out how it works. Because it works. And it worked for years for Michael Jackson. So you should watch it. Yeah, I agree. It absolutely will change how you listen to the music. I, I don't think there's any way around that if you see the doc. So, yeah. So watch the documentary. Then if you're listening to Michael Jackson after that, then don't listen to this podcast, please. Uh, and as far as, like, the whole, like, free will thing, 
that's like, I mean, that's fine. If you want to believe in free will, great. Who cares? I don't care. Everybody, you can do whatever you want as long as it doesn't impede on my life. I'm cool with whatever you want to believe. I, she, she's agreeing with you about free will. She does not believe in free will. Right. But, but the issue she takes is that she doesn't believe that your your actions are predestined by a god. Yeah, well, I, I that's where we disagree, but it's fine. It's fine. The The Michael Jackson thing is not fine. If you've watched that documentary and you're still listening to Michael Jackson, mm-mm, sorry. We're going we're gonna to we put that in the not okay, not okay column? No, it's not okay. You can judge people on their behavior. You can judge Bill Cosby and never watch his show again and enjoy it. Did I enjoy him uh, before I found out he was a rapist? Yes. Do I now? No. Did I love O.J. Simpson uh, before he killed two people in a rage? Uh, I loved him. Do I love him now? No. He's a murderer, and I, I don't like him. It fascinates me. America's love affair with OJ. I mean, everyone loved OJ Simpson so much. It's such an interesting thing. He was Muhammad Ali, dude. Do you like Muhammad Ali? Do you love Muhammad Ali? Absolutely. Everyone does. Well, the way you feel about Muhammad Ali is the way everybody felt about OJ Simpson. You don't understand it because when that, how old were you when OJ Simpson got arrested? That So that was 94. So I would have been 11. Yeah, so when you were 11, you, you barely knew about O.J., and then the only thing you re- you knew about him was that he was a murderer. So to you, it's un- uh, you, you can't understand it. My whole life, O.J. Simpson was Muhammad Ali. So that's the, that's the thing. Yeah, for me, it would have been like Michael Jordan, you know? Yeah. Well, <laughs> Michael Jordan, dude. Dude had a Hitler mustache. When I was coming up in the 90s, and he was playing for the Bulls. That's what I'm trying to say. That would have been like my OJ because he was the biggest athlete in the world. <sighs> okay. And then, and then you got to make it about Hitler. Of course, I'm not making it about your Hitler. Buddy, I'm just your saying buddy he who had went a to Hitler heaven. Mustache. That's to me. That's a red flag. That's that. Here, what does that say to you? This is a person who 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 I question his decision making abilities. Do I question his basketball skills? No, none, none at all. Do people who excel beyond anybody's wildest imagination at things do i think those people got it all to gaz no those people are fucked up somebody wasn't there daddy wasn't there something happened somebody did something wrong for michael jordan to be that fucking great at basketball here's what i know about michael jordan probably doesn't have it all together Probably not the coolest motherfucking dude in the room if he lost the game by a point. Like, I guarantee you, I guarantee you that motherfucker's ruthless as fuck. Do I know him at all? No. I just know he had a, uh, he had a Hitler mustache at one point. And I know that he's the greatest basketball player of all time. So that tells me he's probably not great at being a human being. <laughs> now, does that mean he's a fucking rapist? No. Does that mean he wants to kill six million Jews? No. I'm just saying he's probably not great at making the best decisions in the world. That's all I'm saying. He's and he's also really good at basketball. And he's rich as fuck. <sighs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well, got it. Duly noted. 
What else are we going to talk about? <laughs> Jesus. I don't think people understand that you and me are not in the same room, but here's what I miss. I miss looking at your face when I go on these rants and watching the disappointment and annoyance wash over your face like a sunset on a beautiful tropical island. Because you... <laughs> I only can imagine it and it's not as good for me. I like seeing it in real time. It's like imagining a sunset. I can imagine it. I kind of I'm an artist. I know what it looks like. But man to see it in real life. Oh, it's so much more beautiful. Have you seen the new Quentin Tarantino movie yet? Have we already talked I about did. this? I did. Let's do spoiler alerts. Spoiler alerts if you haven't seen the movie and don't want to know what happens in the movie. We only got five minutes left of this podcast, so tune out now because we're about to talk about it. In this section called Talking About the New Quentin Tarantino Jam, bitches. I loved it. I enjoyed it, uh, and then I loved it. So it could have been edited. It could have been edited. No way. I could have watched more. I saw it twice. And uh, neither time did it feel too long. I don't. I don't. All right. Here, here are the here are the things that I thought could have been improved. Let me just put it this way. So the parts that could have been all the black and white stuff where Leonardo DiCaprio is like on the set of his old westerns and stuff. Like at the very beginning, just at the beginning. Well, they kind of do it throughout the movie. Like every once in a while, they'll just cut to him the beginning of the movie, and then they show him like on the set of whatever. The, what was the Western that he was in. Uh, I don't. I don't know what you're talking about. They showed him like interspersed in the Great Escape as Steve McQueen, which I thought was so incredible. Oh, I love. No, I love that. But that was in color. So every time, every time they showed a black and white clip of him being on television mm-hmm. or being interviewed at the beginning in black and white, like, yeah, it just looked like digital film, which is what the movie was shot on, and they just turn the color off and all it did was it just took me out of the movie and i was like that just doesn't like again it's my brain i have a weird brain so if something's not right it just i alarm bells go off and what it did was that every time that happened it took me out of the movie and i'm like oh that doesn't look right that's leonardo dicaprio i'm watching a movie and i'm i'm out of the movie for a minute and i don't like that i like being lost in the movie the whole time that is so weird. That is such a weird criticism. So the black and white wasn't real enough. It just didn't look right because the resolution was too high. Like film it on whatever films. Like he spent so much money filming the Hateful Eight on that like super high res old stock film, and it made no mm-hmm. difference in that movie because the whole thing was shot that way. And who gives a shit? So why not spend a hundred thousand dollars and and shoot? those black and white scenes on film and it would look different and look cool. It would look cooler and it wouldn't take I'm you out. Pretty of the sure it was shot on 35 millimeter. What's that? I think it was shot on 35 millimeter film. Yeah. But, but the stuff that you see on TV, uh, even if it was shot on 35 millimeter, uh, it wasn't shown on, it was shown on an old TV set. So just make it look old or something. I don't know. It just didn't look old. So I had a problem with that. I didn't like Bruce Dern's scene at the ranch. I get what he was trying to do. I just 
Oh, I thought that was so scary. That was a scary scene. It was super scary. I just didn't like Bruce Dern. So when he finally gets in there and he's talking to Bruce Dern, like that could have been so cool because basically you think it's going to be, you're going to walk in and see a corpse, but really it just turns out everything they said was true. And that's the joke. But Bruce Dern just wasn't good. It just, it just, it, it, it was like uh, the joke. It, it it didn't land because of that. And the other thing, I, I didn't like the kid either, the, the little girl. Like, I loved all the dialogue, and I loved that whole scene and how it worked out, how it played out. I just didn't like the girl. I just didn't think she was – I didn't like her. Now, Leonardo DiCaprio was amazing. Fucking uh, Brad Pitt was incredible. Like, they were amazing to watch. So – you put anybody else in there in that movie, and you go, "Oh, this is a long movie. Nothing's going on." But I love, I love the ending, dude. Like every time I think about the ending, I start crying a little bit. To me, the ending was the my least favorite part because that's when it just got very. It was just very Quentin Tarantino, fast paced, violent. No, no, I'm not. Ta- I'm not talking about the action scene. I'm talking about the very ending when he goes up to the gate and. And the guy's like, hey, what happened last night? And he's like, oh, nothing. And then they invite him into the house, and Sharon Tate's still alive. Ugh. Right, and then you then you imagine that he's going to befriend Roman Polanski and that he's going to actually have a film career and the, the, everything he wanted might come true. No, it's just she's she's alive, and the bad guys got killed, and, the good, and, and, and this innocent little dreamer chick is alive and she's okay and her baby's okay and and the bad guys got fucked up that's just part of it i mean the illusion he makes the illusion of that earlier when he's all depressed about his career and he's like and then roman polanski drives up and he's like you know what i live next to roman polanski i'm one pool party away from being in the greatest director in the you know being in his next film I know, but i but i don't i don't care about leonardo dicaprio i mean i don't I don't care about him. I, I care about Sharon Stone. Uh, Sharon Stone. Sharon Tate. That's. It's possible to care about both of them. It's Leonardo DiCaprio's character is the main character. I'm not thinking about Roman Polanski and about him and his career. I'm just thinking about like the bad guys got killed and the good guys lived. That's all I care about. Like that's the part. And part of the good guys living is his his career is not over. It's it's you know Quentin Tarantino calls the movie a fairy tale. It's a Hollywood fairy tale, right? But I'm again the reason that I start to cry about it is not because of Leonardo DiCaprio's character. That's not the part that's moving. the The part that's moving is that the world we live in is so crazy and fucked up that I love the idea that the bad guys get fucked and the good guys win. That's that's what I want in a movie. That's why I hate French cinema. Like watch any French movie. The the bad guys win, the the good guys lose, and then you're like, oh, this movie sucked. And then the French are like, oh, if you didn't like it, then you don't get it. No, I get it. Bad guys win, good guys lose, just like in life. Go fuck yourself, all of France. That's for our French listeners. Yeah, I mean, I see a place for all that. There's a there's a place for all that. It's fun to watch, you know, a revisionist history of everyone killing Nazis and Inglorious Bastards. It's fun to watch these Manson freaks get their fucking faces exploded and burnt alive in this movie. That's fine. Realistic French movies have a place too, though, because they reflect the way the world really is, and that's valid also. Yeah, but I don't go to see the movie. I go to the movies to escape the world.
just like look around and go, mm, this is the world. No, I go to the movies to exit this world and go into another world. And I don't, and I want to stay in that world the whole time. Why watch documentaries? I can't tell you the last time I watched a documentary in a theater. But, uh, oh, you're talking about specifically about going to a movie theater. If you're going to go to a movie theater, it needs to be an escapist type movie. That's what you're saying? Yeah. If you're going to make a movie movie where you're making it up, you're, you're telling a story. I, yeah, I want to get lost in that world. I mean, Mandy. I, lo- I just watched that movie again with my wife. She'd never seen it, and I just watched it with her a couple days ago. She had a hard time with that movie for some reason. I think it, like, upset her, the w- the way the colors were and everything. She has a hard time. Yeah. Like, she's all into ASMR, and she has this phobia about seeing things with holes and stuff. I forget what it's called. but So I think she had a hard time with how visually exciting that movie was, but... Man, that movie was amazing. And did that movie, I mean, people got, I mean, people got fucked up in that movie. I don't think it ended like it ended fucked up, but it ended kind of good too. But he's fucked up on the bad acid forever at the end of that movie. But he thinks. Well, everyone should definitely go see it. He thinks he's, he thinks he's in the car with his dead girlfriend. Kind of like the end of Brazil when he thinks he's escaped with his girlfriend, but he's really still in that chair getting tortured to death. I, lo- yeah. I love that. If you're going to write a movie, I don't need to be reminded about how horrible life is. I know how horrible it is or can be and how beautiful and wonderful it can be. It's like a, going to a restaurant. Do I want the chef to prepare something that reminds me of my backyard? With trees and dirt and bird poop? No. I want him to transform some tomatoes and some garden fowl into a magical treat that uh, awakens my senses and makes me think that I'm a magical king with uh, curly slippers. That's what I want. Call me a dreamer. I'm okay. You're okay. I'm not okay. And we're out of time again. Yeah, we got to go. God damn, that was a quick one. All right, Bob and Clint at gmail.com. Leave us a positive review. We're going to be taking a week off because I'm going to Japan, but we'll be back uh, the following week to regale you with more spoiler alerts from the movies. All right. And hey, if uh, if you're new to the podcast, we've got a bunch of old podcasts you can check out. And if you've gone through all of them, check out Clint's podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast. Uh, there's a lot of those. They're fun. And he's got a great co-host, and that that podcast is wonderful. You can also check out my other podcast, The Song Club, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, And we'll see you in two weeks. Peace. (laughs) 